This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. For more than eight decades, CQ has studied the votes of members of Congress and lined them up according to party unity, loyalty to the president, participation, and more. There's a lot that goes into it, and people around the world look to these studies to make sense of the legislative branch. Joining us on Political Theater today are Ryan Kelly and Herb Jackson from the CQ Roll Call Newsroom, who put together the project this year in all its glory. Welcome, gentlemen. Morning, Jason. Morning, Jason. (laughs) Podcasts are timeless. You're not supposed to say morning, even though we're up earlier than we normally are, because I didn't schedule the time uh, in a timely manner. (laughs) Greetings, Jason. (laughs) Whatever time this might be. (laughs) Whatever your time may be. Whatever time and place this is. What is time and place? Speaking of which, these, these vote studies actually do fix a time and a place uh, for for Congress. Ryan, you have been uh, doing this the longest. Um, why don't you just give us a quick rundown of exactly what CQ Vote Studies is, what, what it is, what kind of goes into it, the history of it, and before we get to this year's particulars, because it's, it is labor-intensive. <laughs> there is, there is no, uh, there's no AI that could just do this. Yeah, uh, CQ has been studying the votes of Congress um, as it pertains to their support of the president uh, since the Eisenhower administration. Um, And I shudder to think how it was done uh, before computers. but yeah, uh, it's it's even for us still a, a Herculean effort every year. Um, so we're we're always proud to uh, be able to continue the streak and you know put the seventieth year on uh, top of this. And we should note too that even before Eisenhower, we were looking at you know just just how they lined up. Just like we had these these we have physical copies in in our newsroom. Um, of the um, votes, you know, of, you know, just people showing up like back into, into the 40s, <laughs> you know, when, when CQ was first uh, founded. Uh, we, as you said, we got a little more, um, a little more organized and a little more sense of what we wanted to do in, in lining up about, you know, how are they lining up according to party and presidential loyalty and so forth in, in the 50s. And, the thing that occurs to me too is that like there's even with as much as, as objective as it is like this person voted this way, this person person voted this way. We still have to make judgments as journalists about what the votes, what votes were going to count. So Herb, you know, this is your first time um, sort of being, I mean, you've, you've known about vote studies for a long time, even predating your time at CQ roll call when, you know, you, you were, working for, you know, newsrooms in New Jersey. And the thing that is occurs to me is that like, there are so many votes you can look at, but with part with presidential loyalty, we are keeping track of these by, by actually putting them in a file uh, at the beginning of each, you know, congressional session. 
Yeah, I, and you've, you're right that when you use the data, you never think about what went into the data. Uh, but you, that's partly because you trust the news or news people who put it together. But for the presidential support, you know, you, you'd think you'd know where the president was on bills when they're voting on it. But that's actually not true in many, many cases. Uh, the, the president, the White House will issue statements on some bills. But as we found just this year with the D.C. vote uh, on their criminal code, they'll say, don't pass this bill, House of Representatives. But then when the House of Representatives passes it, and the Senate passes it, the president signs it. So was that a support vote or an opposition vote? We will have to make that decision at this time next year. But we're, 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 and then with unity votes, it's one of these things where, I mean, Yes, there are many times that you, you 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 are voting with the majority of your party, but so is everybody else in the other party. So there has to be the majority of each party is on opposite sides. And then are you with your team or the other guys? That's what we measure in the unity votes. And and Ryan, we, we should note too that we're you know, there are some votes that we don't look at at all. I mean, like we, we, we have these, you know, sort of judgment calls we need to make uh, as Herb has outlined. And I also shudder to think how we're going to deal with the DC criminal code uh, where, you know, statements of administration policy coming from the White House used to be sort of like, well, this is an obvious uh, <laughs> record of where the, where the president stands. Uh, we'll, we'll deal with that later uh, <laughs> next year when we, uh, when we do this uh, next time. But, we're not looking at a lot of votes like, you know, post office namings and, and things like that. I mean, like of the hundreds of votes that that Congress takes, we're really looking at, you know, about 30 or 40 most years. Right. Yeah. The post offices are uh, generally, um, you know, nonpartisan affairs that uh, do not qualify as a party unity vote. I would uh be interested to see, uh, you know, what they were naming the post offices where there was a big partisan split. Uh, I'll have to dig through the records and see what was so offensive that uh, half of Congress opposed the name of the post. Maybe taking the name off of the post office was, uh, you know, more of the problem back uh, for that to happen. But yes, uh, you know, Congress, members of Congress um, know that these numbers come up, um, you know, when they're running for re-election, you know, they voted this many times with Nancy Pelosi or, you know, Donald Trump, and uh, they have tried to find ways over the years of uh, juicing their scores. So, you know, if a vote didn't count, they would take that opportunity to, uh, you know, vote against it. So approving the journal of the day before, um, you know, they would say, no, I, I, you know, I'm going to break with my party and yes, lower my, lower my support by one point so that uh, the people back home, uh, you know, won't see that I was in lockstep with, uh, you know, someone that I shouldn't be, um, you know, given my district. So, uh, most of those, uh, votes that, uh, you know, aren't of great import, uh, do not uh, find their way into our study. So, And one, one type of vote is specific just to the Senate too, and those are confirmation votes that we just assume. Those, those are the ones that there are, there are uh, quite a few of them in any given year, but we're going ahead and making the assumption that the president supports uh, his or her nominee 
and, and that becomes a test of loyalty, even if the, the vote isn't a slam dunk uh, in the in the world's greatest deliberative body. Yeah, we've had um, one of the recent presidents, uh, you know, you wouldn't always be able to tell that if they were up for nomination for more than a week, you know, maybe he would change his mind. But uh, for the most part, uh, if if a president sent something to Congress or someone to Congress, uh, we're going to assume until he tells us otherwise that uh, he was in support of that uh, piece of legislation or person. Herb, um, again, sort of the uh, long, long-time fan, first-time caller mode, where, where you uh, took the, you know, sort of the, the lead in in uh, assigning reporters. You know, I mean, Ryan, you know, does a lot of the the writing also, as well as the analysis, and and then he also will write uh, different things, particularly in participation, which we'll get to in a, in a second. But you're, you know, you had to coordinate across, you know, the teams. I mean, CQ Roll Call is one newsroom, but CQ, the old Congressional Quarterly and Roll Call do have different, slightly different tones and and structures and so forth. Uh, What was it like for you, uh, not just stepping into this role for the first time uh, as, you know, you're the political editor in your day job, uh, right? Uh, But what was it like also stepping into kind of the history of it? Because no pressure, right? Like academics look at this organizations compile a lot of their scorecards, uh, you know, like for, you know, using our data, uh, or at least, you know, parts of it, like, was what was it like as that person uh, taking the lead for the very first time? You mean as university professors on the <laughs> on the West Coast are emailing our newsroom saying, where are the vote studies? Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, it, it, it you know, with every, you know, I'm sure it's a secret to everybody out there in listening land that every time you publish a story, there's a moment that goes through your head after you push the button that says, "Hope we got it right." You know, <laughs> but but before we came Give on, I was trade secrets here, Turb. Come on. <laughs> before we came on, I was actually checking with Ryan that you know the Anthony Gonzalez that's on our list was the one that went from Ohio that isn't in Congress anymore and not the Tony Gonzalez who is in Texas, you know, because it's things like that, you know, we, we, we obviously never try to make things wrong, but there's things like that, that you just have errors creep into things. Uh, but, you know, Ryan and I were doing things and he'll tell you, I was checking him on tenths of a percentage point rounding, you know, at, at certain points, just because the way to fix things is to say, you do it, I do it, we share. Who, 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 do we get the same thing? All right, then it's probably right. <laughs> yeah, Brian, uh, I mean, what, what are some of the things that you see coming up, some of the more vexing issues that come up every, uh, every year? And uh, again, I'm not trying to make you contemplate too much the uh, uh, your existence and whether you should really be doing yeah. this or not. We want him still <laughs> here next year. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, there are, you know, quirks of the study that we've all inherited. Um, You know, there have been dozens of people doing this before us. Um, So, you know, we have to evaluate constantly how how to weigh, you know, the historical um, way that these things have been done and uh, determining whether or not they work with the current Congress and, you know, uh, environment in Washington, um, you know, whether they're still telling, whether 
um, you know, there's something that we need to do to, uh, you know, make it clearer to our readers, you know, what we're what we're trying to show and what is really happening. Um, so, you know, we have weird quirks where, you know, if someone voted 99.99% with the president, uh, we will report that score as 99% because one, <laughs> 100% means something. It means that without fail, they supported the president. So, you know, if they uh, voted Unless against, they failed by not voting, right? Right. If, because if, if they, they don't vote, it doesn't count as a vote against it. <laughs> Yeah, in the early years of Congress, you you know, when I'm diving through the old almanacs or uh, weekly reports, uh, in the old years, we used to uh, you know penalize members for being absent, for being you know, if, if you are uh, back home, uh, you know, s- struggling with an illness and you're missing all these votes, your presidential support score is going to be, you know, 13%. So at some point, uh, the people running the study determined that, you know, that wasn't giving the best picture. Um, you know, they, you know, someone from, Tennessee wasn't uh, opposing the president, uh, you know, because they were at home, uh, you know, ill. So we we had to change those sort of things along the way. Um, and then, you know, there are uh, statistical approaches to things where, yes, the members won't be penalized for uh, missing votes, but when we calculate the party scores, uh, we, we calculate them out of all the possible votes they could have cast. So, you know, everyone tries to say, well, um, you know, how does uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's score compare to, uh, you know, the average uh, that you have for the Democrats? And we have to say, well, you know, they're kind of apples and oranges because, you know, uh, the, the party scores will be lower because, uh as a whole, their their scores are dropping because of missed votes. Um, whereas, you know, a member of Congress who misses, you know, ten percent of their votes isn't going to have a score that's ten percent lower. Oh, um, and also, I I, I, uh, I promise we will get to the participation part uh, in, in in a second because I found one one of one part of it I found utterly fascinating. Um, and th- this is where most listeners are like, okay, I'm out. Uh, he's talking <laughs> about. <laughs> uh, but I promise it's a good one. Uh, but before I want to talk about, uh, we had, we had a first time thing, Herb, uh, which, which we wrote a story about. Um, and uh, what that was comes courtesy of uh, what, somebody who could really be described as a very interesting member of Congress in the way that he has voted uh, several times. Yeah, this is uh, Chip Roy from Texas, notched a zero on presidential support. I believe we had this uh, in 2022, we counted, uh, was it 66 presidential support votes in the House? And he voted against every one of them. Um, now, there were five other Republicans who each got a one. 
And that was when we really made Brian want to kill himself because we said, could you give us what the votes were for Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Clay Higgins? Because the data just didn't easily present that. But he did find a couple of them. And but the weird thing was like the the one that, you know, one of the ones that Roy voted against was a, a bill to expand Medicare telehealth through the end of next year because this was a pandemic thing that was uh, in, introduced because people couldn't go to the doctor, right? Because they might get sicker by going to the doctor. And uh, he, his quote from his office was, we shouldn't just be fixing pieces of Medicare. We should fix everything in Medicare. There we go. And, and, and it might have a budget impact. Uh, you know. Chip, and again, we should note too that like one of the, I mean, Chip Roy has been, you know, on a lot of people's radars for a long time. You know, he used to uh, work for Ted Cruz before he was a member of Congress. Uh, he was one of the Republicans who spoke in favor of certifying um, uh, Joe Biden's electoral win on January 6, uh, 2021. Uh, so, he, I mean, this is, he's a, He's not just it. It wouldn't. He doesn't stack up as just a. I'm going to oppose the president for the hell of it. Um, so it's to me, it's you know, it, it's it's really in- interesting. You know, well, the, of- the other thing to keep in mind is they were in the minority last year, right? So you didn't, you you didn't, your party didn't need your vote, right, to stop the president in 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 2022, because you know, just like with the Democrats this year, there's. There's much more freedom for them to vote no or yes as they feel because they're not in control. They don't need they're not in the majority and they don't need it. And that's the other weird thing is that we found that, you know, like Joe Manchin had the highest uh, vote for score for op- opposing his party. As you eight, might expect. Eight, of eight percent. But he still voted with his party. Um, 94%. 94%, 94%, right? 94%. right. <laughs> so the ads against Manchin will say, he voted with Democrats, you know, with Chuck Schumer and, you know, and, and, and Biden, 94%. But he also had the rock bottom, you know, he was like the most likely to oppose the Democrats. And, and part of that is because Pelosi and Schumer last year wouldn't bring things up if they didn't have the votes to pass them. Except in rare cases where you and I would say to each other, why are they bringing this up for a vote? They don't have the votes. Right. Um, And they would typically lose those votes. (laughs) Yeah. And these these were like cloture on getting rid of the filibuster for uh, voting rights act, you know, that kind of stuff. So and and, but but the numbers do tell a story when you start when you start going through them, you know, like Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. Both were at the top of opposing their party, um, and neither of them in in 2020 or 2022 paid a price, really, partly because in their states, it's not just a Democrat versus a Republican, but it's a ranked choice voting system. Now, in Collins, it didn't come into play, but in, in Murkowski's case, it definitely came into play. Uh, and and so you, you have these things where, uh, you know, people... But on the House side, the, the four of the five top opposers of their party break, four of the five top people who broke with their party aren't in the Congress this year. They weren't running or they lost primaries. So they're just, you know, they were they were they were freelancing, you know. Ryan, I want to get to I, I always associate the participation story with you uh, because you you take the lead on it. And it sounds 
almost silly. You know, it makes makes me think, uh, of course, of like, you know, perfect attendance, you know, certificates when we were kids or like, you know, uh, participation trophies, if you will, uh, the, 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 these days. Excuse um, me, teacher, you didn't give us homework today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the I I found one, I think that this will be the 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 numbers you crunched in the story that you wrote about um, participation are going to be pretty interesting as an historical marker because they take into account proxy voting in the house, which is no longer, I mean, we, we didn't have it before the last Congress um, and we are not likely to have it probably for a while, at least as far as long as the Republicans are controlling the, the house of representatives. So like, let, let's talk about one, just like the top line numbers. And then I want to get to something that I, that I found very interesting about about the participation numbers. Yeah, um, you know, for a few decades now, participation has been going up. Um, you know, part of that is because transportation is easier now than it was in the 1950s, um, and um, leadership is uh, cognizant that their members need to go home and run for re-election, spend time in their districts. Uh, so they, you know, we generally have a three and a half day work week now, um, and members are able to go home and, you know, campaign, uh, fundraise. Well, uh, you know, they can they can walk across the street and fundraise now. Um, you know, they and interact and, with their constituents, right? And, and you know, or, <laughs> let's assume positive intent here. <laughs> or, or Lindsey Graham can you know just go on Fox News and direct people to a website. Uh, but yeah, uh, and now you know they they aren't having to uh, go to as many fundraising dinners because the, you know they can just uh, say something bombastic on television, and uh, from all over the country, uh, donations will flood in in small numbers, uh, routed through you know Massachusetts in the Democrats' case uh, for Act Blue, um, you know, or Win Red for the Republicans. Um, so you know that has made things easier so technically and theoretically they should be able to make all their votes and in recent years uh, people have only been missing votes for the most part if they have been uh, you know struggling with an illness or a member in the, their close family has been doing so um, but you know for the past two plus years uh, you know since since the early days of the pandemic, uh, the Democrats instituted proxy voting. Um, so you could vote from anywhere um, by designating a proxy to vote on your behalf. Um, and so even members who were literally dying of cancer uh, could vote, could cast all the votes they were eligible up until, you know, basically the moment they died. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that their proxies would receive notice that they should stop casting votes in their names uh, at some point. Um, but yes, and Republicans, you know, were were opposed to the institution of proxy voting, um, you know, and uh, and pledged, you know, whenever they could that they would be getting rid of it as soon as they took power. Um, but you know, they were not going to unilaterally disarm, um, you know, and let the Democrats keep voting while they were missing votes. So uh, by the end of the 117th Congress, most of them were 
taking advantage of it as well. Um, so there were only a, a couple uh, Republicans who stuck to their guns and uh, cast all their votes uh, despite, you know, sticking with their principles and not using a proxy. And a couple of those acted as proxies, um, but, you know, didn't use them themselves. And the one thing that I um, th- that stood out to me uh, in this too, um, and I'll I'll direct you know people to rollcall.com, you know for those you know the the if if you want to look at like who those members are, uh, who who have perfect attendance is that of all the members in the house who hit every vote, only four of them actually did it in person. Um, that that everybody else had some combination of in-person and proxy uh, vote. And so the, the, the number of people who were voting actually in person uh, in the most recent vote studies was only four, which to me is kind of, kind of, you know, just an, an amazing, like this will be an, an historic thing that people say, okay, like let's compare this to without proxy voting. What's it going to be like, you know, for 2023, um, oh, I should note too that I, I, I think at one point I said that the it was proxy voting was only around in the last Congress, but I, you both reminded me that the pandemic again time is a flat circle. Pandemic started in 2020, or at least that's when the Capitol emptied out, and uh, the uh, uh, shortly thereafter the House instituted proxy voting in 2020. So we've had it for more than just the 117th Congress. The other, the fun thing I liked in looking at the line graph that Ryan did that goes back to 1956 on on this issue is you can see where the presidential election years are because senators try to run for president and suddenly there's a there's a dip in the line and then the year after that it goes back up because you know they didn't become president so they came back to work. Uh, yes, John, John Kerry in 2004, very, very bad, poor attendance rank. Uh, and in 2005, after he lost uh, to George W. Bush, right back in there. Same thing with McCain, uh, John McCain. In, Ted uh, Cruz, Rand Paul, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, gentlemen, this has been, uh, I mean, I, I hope it's been interesting for our listeners. I think, you know, like this This is one of those things like, again, I, I'm starting to to. It, with some of the podcasts, you know, our, our last podcast was with George Condon, where we talked about the gridiron, you know, like the, if you've been in Washington for a while, you know, you've probably heard of the gridiron, but actually talking to somebody about its history and what goes on and why white ties and tails and so forth. Uh, and same thing here. I mean, if, if you're if you're in Washington, if you are a member of Congress, if you're involved in political campaigns, if you're an academic studying Congress, you've heard about vote studies. Uh, but there's, you know, like I, I like to peel the curtain back a little bit uh, and and showcase your work uh, because it's it's very useful. It's historic. It's part of the historic record, and uh, it's it's uh, it's a lot of work uh, and and it's a lot of fun. So thank you. Um, and I should note too that we have uh, we have it available on. On CQ.com and on RollCall.com, RollCall.com has the stories and, and some of the graphics The for for looking at the individual votes, uh, you know, and how each member voted and so forth. That is uh, we're keeping behind the paywall at CQ.com. Um, but uh, the for for purposes of, of sort of checking out those top line numbers that uh, Herb and Ryan talked about on this podcast, it's on RollCall.com. 
and you can get the details uh, if you're a CQ subscriber uh, for the 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 more uh, the, the the professors who were emailing you asking where they are. Uh, and that <laughs> is not the... an ethics violation <laughs> that you just pimp that, right? <laughs> right, right. Anyway, uh, any anything else before we uh, sign off? No, I think more coffee. More coffee. That's good. Ryan, you all good? I can't have coffee after 4 p.m. I don't know what time it is where you are, Herb. But... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again, uh, Herb and Ryan. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for uh, coming on the podcast and talking about uh, your work. And thank you, listeners, uh, for tuning in. And if you like what you've heard, please go to rollcall.com, subscribe to Political Theater, rate us, tell your friends, subscribe to our newsletter, do all those things that we're supposed to do for podcasts uh, that it's just too early in the morning or the afternoon. You'll never know at this point. Thanks again for listening. Thanks.